been looking in First John and Second John, and so now today we're going to be uh, spending a little time in Third John. And Third John's just one chapter, and uh, we're going to be looking in that chapter in verses five to eleven. And would you please stand as read from God's word? Third John, verse five. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you and thank you that through your word we can. We want to be people from God. Lord, to, to be people who are from God, we, we need your word that is from you to be in us. And so we would pray for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I have friends who are gifted in hospitality. And some of these friends I've stayed with and they've fed me and then afterwards they almost act like I'm doing them a favor. <laughs> and, and I've had times when I've left and I thought, you know, they're acting like I'm doing a favor and I'm the one who ate their food and stayed at their house and then they thank me for doing so. <laughs> friends like that can be a real blessing. <laughs> Something that you, you really give thanks for and this book of Third John is talking about those kind of friends. And he's talking about hospitality and how loving hospitality is a great blessing. John is writing this letter to a friend that, as he starts the letter out, he tells us his dear friend Gaius. And, and Gaius was somebody who showed hospitality. And there were in that day, many missionaries, many teachers who were traveling about, and Gaius would open up his home, and he'd care for them, he'd meet their needs. And John writes this letter to encourage him and to thank him for this service. One whole book of the Bible, it's really about hospitality. It, it kind of says this is something that matters to God, that he, he has a book dedicated to it. Show hospitality even to strangers. Gaius is told he's to show hospitality not just to those he knows. And John is writing saying some of these guys who've been coming to your town, they're ones that John knew that John was friends with, but Gaius didn't know who they were at all. He just knew all oh, these guys are friends of John, but Gaius has this attitude well, a friend of John is a friend of mine. And if you're a friend of John, then you're welcome to stay in my home. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to care for you. We don't just care for our family. 
We don't just care for those who are close friends. God invites us to show hospitality, even if we don't know him that well. In 2 John, he does give a warning. He says those who aren't, those who are deceivers and who are causing trouble and deceiving people from the faith, you're not to treat them like they're part of God's family. But here he's saying that those who, they might be part of God's family, they're believers in Christ, but you might not know them, you might not have some long relationship with them. He says, serve them anyway. Care for them, show hospitality to them. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, he says, do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. He's saying sometimes that stranger who comes along, who is maybe could use a little help, maybe could use a cup of water, maybe could use a meal, that stranger, he says, you know, he might be an angel and you might, you ought to treat him as such. In Deuteronomy, he talks about caring for the stranger, caring for the alien, as he talks about that throughout Scripture. He says that about God, that he loves the alien, giving him food and clothing, and you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. He's reminding them, he says, you guys were strangers. And so to look at the stranger and say, yeah, I was like him once too. I was in need like he is, and so I'm going to care for him because I was in his shoes. Then in Matthew, he says to care for the stranger because it might be Jesus. Jesus said these words. He said, I was hungry in Matthew 25 and verse 35. He, he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. People responded, the ones who heard that first, they said, well, when did we see you like that? And Jesus said, what you did for the least of my brethren, you did for me. He's calling us here in scripture to look at the stranger and say, might be an, a might be an angel. <laughs> He's somebody who's in the same condition I was at times. And he might even be Jesus. <laughs> and so treat him in that manner. Treat him somebody worth respect treat him as somebody who you ought to care for and care about i knew somebody who in younger days she worked at a fred meyer store and she was a clerk at the fred meyer store and this at the time elderly gentleman came through her register and he was asking her questions he said well how do you like working here and what's it been like and and he asked her a lot about the job and the store and everything and she thought well he sure asked a lot of questions but he's sure a nice guy and she is just helped him out and then after he left and he left the store co-workers came over to her and her manager came over and they started asking her well what did he say what and everything well Come to find out, it was Fred Meyer himself who had come through a register, the founder of the store, who was still the owner of everything at the time. And he would do that. Fred Meyer would go to stores and he'd kind of go without making any big deal about it and he'd just kind of see what customer service he received. She kind of learned, okay, I better be nice to everybody who comes through my register because it might be Fred Meyer coming through here. We're to have that kind of attitude. Everybody that we encounter, everybody who comes along, they might not look angelic, 
but treat them like they are. Show hospitality, even to those strangers, because you don't know for sure who they might be. Showing hospitality builds unity. He says here to, to Gaius, he says, show hospitality so that we may work together for the truth. Hospitality can help us to come together. We work together better if we're caring for each other. If we're sharing needs with each other, if we're helping to, to feed one another and to meet needs of one another, we're going to work together better. These traveling missionaries that were coming along, Gaius, what he was doing was just caring for their basic needs. He'd give them a meal. He'd give them a place to stay. But the way John's telling him, Gaius, you're part of the mission work. And maybe you're not up front teaching. These other guys are up front doing the teaching. But Gaius, by caring for them and showing them hospitality, you're just as important as they are. You're part of this whole mission work by showing hospitality. We work together. In Romans chapter 12, in verse 6 and 7, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift, and then he lists some gifts, and one of them, he says, is serving, let him serve. Yes, we have different gifts. And, and the ones who traveled there in John's, that John's talking about, some of them, their gift was being up front teaching. Gaius, his gift was showing hospitality. And he says, everybody in, the, in God's family, we have different gifts. And no matter what your gift is, use that gift. Now, some people do have a special gift in hospitality but for all of us, then later in Romans, in chapter 12, and verse 13, he says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Like you say, with some people, it maybe comes easier than it does for others. But we're all called and we're all able to, to practice some hospitality. Now, maybe the hospitality that you practice, it might not be as fancy as somebody else's hospitality. But we can all be hospitable. We can all show kindness. We can all care for others' practical needs. In our AFLC World Missions, we have a, a home back in Wisconsin for missionaries when they're, they're home from the mission field, a place where they can stay. And, and there's this couple that for years lived next to the home, is Peter and Martha Hill. And they were part of a, another AFLC church, and then they moved in Wisconsin. They lived next to this mission house, and they took it upon themselves. They just saw their calling is to be taking care of that house and taking care of the missionaries that came to that house. And they were just this great couple. that They'd do whatever, and they just saw, okay, this is what God's calling us to do. And they were part of the mission work, even though they never visited a mission field. And they never learned a foreign language and went and taught somebody on some foreign field, but they were still a big part of the mission team by showing hospitality to missionaries. Now, most of us don't live next to a mission house, and we don't have missionaries come and move in next door for a time. But still, there's some way that God can use you in showing hospitality. There's a role that you can play in his work. And if you're open to it, and if you're praying, God, show me somebody that I can show hospitality to. God will bring somebody along your way. We show hospitality for the sake of God's name. 
he's saying about these ones who were coming, he says they went out for the sake of the name. And that's the same reason that we serve people. They went out for the sake of the name and we serve those who come along for the sake of the name. We don't serve people because they've been so good to us. We don't serve people because they're so deserving. But we serve people because of the name of Jesus. Because we want the name of Christ to be honored and respected and and people to be in awe of who Jesus is. And so we serve. In 1 John 4, 19, he says, We love because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. We also love other people because God has so loved us. We don't just love them because they're so lovable. Because sometimes the one God calls us to show hospitality to, they might not be that lovable. But we love and, and we serve for the sake of Christ. In 1 John 4, he starts out the chapter, he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in, your, in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. And then he goes on to talk about things we're called to do. And one of those, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We offer hospitality because Christ suffered in his body. Because Christ went to the cross and he gave his life for our sins and he rose again from the dead. Because Christ did that for us. We offer hospitality. The people that God might call you to serve and to show hospitality to, they might never thank you. Show hospitality anyway. They might not appreciate what you do for them a whole lot. And they might were to offer hospitality without grumbling, but sometimes a person we offer hospitality to, they might grumble. They might say, well, this isn't really what I was looking for. We are invited and called to serve them anyway. They may never invite you over, but you serve them anyway, not because of them. You serve them because of what Jesus has done for you. I think at times over the years of people coming to, to ask for help, and, and then sometimes the, the people, I've had people who come and they ask for help, and then they say, well, you know, I went to a Lutheran church one time. And kind of like, okay, this might give you, you might give me some help if I kind of somehow prove I'm Lutheran. And I almost was thinking they were going to quote from Luther's small catechism, thinking that would help them to get help a little better if they could say something Lutheran or appear Lutheran. And I tell them, no, it's not like we only help Lutherans here. (laughs) And then I get people who'd say, well, I'm going to pay you back. And I... I, I think once I got somebody who paid me back, but you know, I, I, I try to tell them up front, okay, don't give me a line. <laughs> don't, don't come and tell me you're going to pay me back. Don't try to prove you're Lutheran. Don't do that. And I tell them, I'm not giving you help because I think I'm going to get something back from you. Because I, I kinda, sometimes I just be blunt with people and say, no, actually, I don't believe that you're going to ever pay me back, and I don't believe you intend to. But I'm going to help you anyway <laughs> because of Jesus. <laughs> And that can be kind of a humbling thing for somebody. You tell them, no, it's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. But I let them know, I'm going to help you because of what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to help you because Jesus loves me and he loves you. And because Jesus died on the cross for you, that's why I'm going to help you. People often, they want help because of something in them. 
And no, we share that it's not because of something in you. And it's not because of something you've done or will do. It's because of Christ. Receiving hospitality can be a humbling thing, but humility is crucial. Because pride can be destructive in a church. Gaius is showing hospitality to these visiting missionaries. But John also writes about this man called Diotrephes. And Diotrephes was somebody who didn't like what Gaius was doing. And this Diotrephes, he was trying to stop this from going on. Loving to be first is not at all the way of Jesus. Diotrephes is described here as, John says, he loves to be first. He had an issue with John because John was the, the apostle. He was the one who had walked with Jesus. He was the leader and the one who was highly respected. And, and he gets says, Diotrephes, he wanted to be the top dog. And he was kind of bothered that John was the guy who was getting the most respect, and Diotrephes wanted that position. Diotrephes also didn't like these guys that were coming from John and were traveling missionaries, and you get a sense that probably they would come to the church and, and then people would pay attention to them, and they'd be the one doing some teaching. And Diotrephes, he always wanted to be the one with a spotlight on him. He wanted to be the guy that everybody always looked to. And he kind of felt threatened by some traveling around and getting other guys getting attention. He wanted to be first in getting the most attention. He wanted to be first in being the guy in charge. It often happens in groups. It happens in families. It can happen in congregations where you have people who love to be first. And that's so contrary to what Jesus calls us to be. One of the things that Jesus speaks about most often in Scripture is the importance of humility. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 25, he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And then he says, Not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. He says, Yeah, the world, they're lording it over, they're exercising authority over their fighting to be first. He says, not so with you. In Matthew 23, in verse 6 and 11, he talks about the religious leaders. He said, they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They want the most important spot. They want to get noticed. But Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. Don't be trying to get noticed. Instead, be the servant. In Luke 14, Jesus noticed about how they'd go to a banquet and everybody was trying to get the, the best seat. And, and he says, when you're invited to a banquet, he says, take the lowest place. And then he goes on to say, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Be willing to take the lowest place. Be the one who humbles himself. Because as he says in Luke 13, in verse 30, he says, there are those who are last will be first, and first will be last. There are those who will be like Diotrephes, who love to be first, and they will do everything they can to be first, and to get the most attention, and the most praise, and to get first in terms of position. And he says, yes, they may get first in the eyes of the world, 
they will be last in the eyes of God. And as the hymn said, I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather have Jesus than being first in the world. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 35, it says, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. I'm guessing that John was thinking about those words when he thought about diatrephes. He probably was thinking, boy, this guy who loves to be first, that's just what Jesus warned against. And he says that diatrephes, he was ignoring these words of Jesus. He was paying no attention to this. He was just loving to be first. But Jesus said, the one who loves to be first, he's going to be last. No, that we're to be striving to be a servant. As I think of this idea of being a humble servant, the best example I've known in my life has been my pastor, Pastor Alvin Grothy, who I've talked about a number of times before. He was my pastor for a lot of years when I was a teen, and he, he died a year ago. He was this humble servant. It's at his 90th birthday party. He's getting some ice cream and quite enjoying it. Uh, he, he was one, and I think I've told before about how he was pastor of our church for a number of years, and then he retired, and soon after he retired, the church needed a janitor, so he volunteered to do it. And he, he, he jokingly told me one day, he said, well, maybe I'll kind of, I thought I'd go to the bottom, maybe I'll work my way back up again. <laughs> and he was just, he didn't care about being in charge, he didn't need to be first, he just, whatever needed to be done, he was willing to do it. I had wanted him to write an article about being a retired pastor, but he was too humble. I knew he wouldn't write the article, probably. <laughs> because sometimes, sadly, retired pastors can kind of have a problem. They have used to be in first, and they have a trouble when they're not first anymore. He, he didn't have a problem with that. Just willing to serve wherever he could serve. Pride can cause great harm to a church. Diatrephes... He got in this leadership position in the church. He shouldn't have been in that position, but it happens. And then he says, that John says he's gossiping maliciously against people. He's trying to discredit anyone that was a threat to his power. And, and he's not even welcoming people and people coming in the name of Christ and he's not welcoming them. He's even kicking people out of the church who are maybe threatening his authority. He was... It weighed almost a cancer on the health of that church. And it all started with loving to be first. Pride was bringing all this trouble in this congregation. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, he says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That applies to an individual, but it can also apply to a congregation. Congregation where there's a bunch of pride, where there's people loving to be first, that can end up leading to destruction. Mars Hill was a big church in Seattle area. Mark Driscoll, pastor there, very gifted teacher. But as a lot of ones who worked with him, part of the church said he really loved being first, loved getting attention, loved getting praise. Church ended up, this church said, yeah, did a lot of good things 
touch lives for Christ, but it ended up all falling apart and some sad destruction of the church. Hillsong is another church where there's been a lot of good things done through that church, but that church has had now a lot of scandals of pastors who have been pushing their authority and, and there's sexual misconduct things coming against the church. Article I read just this week, this was a headline, the church operated lucrative honorarium scheme for celebrity pastors, celebrity preachers who were guys who were preachers and then they were demanding that they ought to be getting thousands and thousands anytime they spoke and demanding salaries of a million dollars even. Pride that's led now, this church has had all kinds of troubles from that. One's loving to be first. Well, you think of ones in leadership, especially leadership in church and, and leadership in any ways, too. We, often the questions that get asked are, are they gifted? Are they talented? Can they draw a crowd? Any question that ought to be asked is, are they humble? Are they humble? That's what God blesses. That's what God desires. College basketball tournament going on now. College basketball coaches, they look for somebody, players who are willing to pass the ball. If they got a bunch of players and everybody needs to be the top scorer, if everybody needs to be the one who gets the shot and gets the attention, the team's going to have a lot of trouble. Good teams have a lot of players who are willing to pass or willing to let the other guy score. In God's work, too, we, we need to be people who are willing to pass. People are saying, hey, I don't need the attention. I don't need applause. Let the other guy score. Let the other guy be the star. Humble service builds up God's people. Humble service, it spreads God's truth. It spreads God's love and it builds up God's people. These traveling missionaries, they were sharing the good news. And this hospitality that was being shown, it was part of God's work. And what Gaius is doing, he's helping the brethren. And then it says, they told the church about your love. It's made a difference as he talks, as he's showing this hospitality. It says that he sent them on their way in a manner worthy of God. He's building them up. He's encouraging them so that they can keep on doing God's work. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, says he died for us so that we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Christ died on the cross for our sins, and because he did that, we can live together and we can encourage. We're to be building people up. Some building projects are really complicated. There's a building project going on in Seattle and other places. You can look at some of these buildings and you can look and think, how in the world they go about building something like that? There's awfully smart, talented people that can figure out how to build some of these things. Building people up, though, it, it doesn't involve where you have to have these special skills and there's only a few people that can do it. Building others up, it isn't so much about having special skills. It's more about having a humble attitude. Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he washed his disciples' feet, and then he said in John 13, 14, he said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It doesn't take special talent to wash feet. 
And it doesn't really take special talent to show hospitality. What it takes is a humble servant spirit. You can build somebody up. God can equip you to be a builder. Maybe not a builder of some special high-rise in Seattle, but he can equip you to be a builder of people if you're willing to just humbly serve. Humble service leads to God's blessing. John is recognizing Gaius here for being faithful as love is being talked about. And he says, the one who does what is good is from God. The one who does what is evil is not seen God. The way he's kind of saying Diotrephes with his pride, he has not really seen God. He probably bragged and said he had. But he's saying, no, he doesn't really know God. But Gaius, with his humble service, He's one who John recognizes is from God. The one who's humble, the willing to be last, willing to wash feet, show hospitality, that one is first in God's sight. Humble service is something that can be blessed by God, used by God. In Mark chapter 9, verse 41, Jesus said, Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name, because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. It's just given a cup of cold water. If you're doing it in the name of Christ, you're doing it to serve people, he says that gets rewarded. God doesn't say, well, I'll only bless, I'll only reward if you do something big spectacular. He says, you just show kindness. You just take an interest in people, you listen to people, you care about them. You try to meet their needs as God equips you and helps you. God says he'll reward that. God says he'll bless that. The humble servant can be used by God in, in meaningful, powerful ways. It doesn't take big achievements to receive God's blessing. It just takes humble service. I may have mentioned before about Rosaria Butterfield. She was a quite outspoken atheist. She was a, a lesbian who was strongly opposed to things of, of the Lord. She'd be in debates with Christians, writing some quite strong articles about, uh, against Christianity. And she'd get some pretty nasty letters from people. But then she got a, a note from a Pastor Ken who said he would like to have coffee with her and just hear why she was so opposed to Christianity. Or, or it's, his note was different than what she had often gotten, and it kind of intrigued her, and she just thought, well, I'll go ahead and meet with the guy and have coffee. He wants to buy me a cup of coffee. I like coffee. I'll go have a cup of coffee with him. And he did just what he said in his note. He, he listened to her. He didn't debate with her. He just listened, asked her, what's your story? What's, what's, your, what's brought you to where you are in your life? Then after a cup of coffee, a while later, he invited her to come over to his home and have a meal with him and his wife. And then as she writes about it, she says, During our meal, I remember holding my breath and waiting to be punched in the stomach with something grossly offensive. I believed at this time that God was dead, but Ken's God seemed alive, three-dimensional and wise, if firm. Ken and Flo did something at that meal that has a long Christian history. They invited the stranger in. Not to scapegoat me, but to listen and to learn and to dialogue. 
We didn't debate worldview. They were willing to walk the long journey with me in Christian compassion. They kept having some meals together, and they kept listening. And then, as she says, after a while, she thought, well, they've been so nice to me, I ought to listen to them too, I suppose. <laughs> so then she started to ask them, well, what is it? Why, why do you believe what you do? <laughs> and they shared, and she listened. And God, as she says, over the course of about two years of having meals and receiving their hospitality, she finally kind of opened herself up and realized, yeah, as God they're talking about is real. Now she's written books. This book, uh, the picture here, it says the gospel comes with a house key. And in it, she encourages hospitality. And one thing she says in one of her writings, she says, don't let pride stop you from opening your home. Ignore the cat hair on the couch or in the mac and cheese. It likely won't kill anyone as decisively as loneliness will. <laughs> Invite them in, even if you got cat hair on the couch or in the mac and cheese. Invite them in because, as she says, know that someone you show hospitality to is spared from another humiliating fall into internet pornography because he is instead walking with you and your kids and dogs. <laughs> know that someone is spared, spared the fear and darkness and depression because she's needed at your home. Know that someone is drawn into Christ's love. Know that host and guest are equally precious and fragile. And that you will play both roles throughout the course of this life. She admits that she at one time seemed awfully far from the Lord and very unlikely that she'd come into the family of God. But what God used to work in her life wasn't brilliant, brilliant debaters, but just humble servants who showed her hospitality. God can use us too. We don't have to have all the answers, everything figured out. But just showing kindness, showing love, being humble servants, that's something God can use in powerful ways. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the powerful things you can do through humble service. And Lord, thank you for those in our lives that have been humble servants, shown us hospitality. May we follow that example in Jesus' name. Amen.